When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Hey everybody, so I know that I promised that there would not be any podcast, there would not be any content this week, but you know me, unfortunately, even though I am away, I don't have any of my video stuff or anything like that, I did watch the Barcelona 3-0 win over Real, so as expected, I'm going to have a few things to say. Let's start it out with the ceremony that took place, it's no longer just a Ballon d'Or ceremony, but that whole Ballon d'Or ceremony that I don't have anything to say about Green Benzema winning it, you know my opinion about Green Benzema, fantastic player, really dark stuff behind the scenes that I just frustrated me throughout his career, uh, if he had behaved himself a bit better, maybe I would be at least a little more forgiving of a Los Blancos player winning the Ballon d'Or, but totally get it, he scored a bunch of goals on the team that won the Champions League, all that stuff. Anyway, for Barcelona, though, they took home their second back-to-back, well, their second back-to-back Ballon d'Or on the women's side for Alexi Buteas and their back-to-back Copa Trophy winner, and that being Gabi following up Pedri. And, you know, the Gabi thing was interesting because I think, while we can admit, having found out the Copa Trophy apparently is voted on by the former Ballon d'Or winners, which very often wind up being Real Madrid and Barcelona players, that Gabi and Pedri and Real Madrid players like Kamavinga, who got second place for that award, they wind up being heavy favorites, if you will. But because this was based on last season when Gabi was breaking into Barcelona's team and, you know, Jude Bellingham, I think, 
was probably going to win it next year. I mean, people are saying Alejandro Balde. I mean, sure, it's a little bit of bias, whatever. But Jude Bellingham, I'd say, is likely going to win it next season based on what he's done, especially in the Champions League for Borussia Dortmund, depending on how far they make it in that competition, depending on what they do in the Bundesliga, which it's kind of weird because to say the Ballon d'Or should be the best player on one of the best teams, I get that argument. But when it comes to the best U21 player, to hold that player against the results and wins and losses and trophies of their team, I think is a bit insane to me. Because again, if you're, you've won a trophy based on an under-21 player, well, that might say a lot about who you have to throw on the field. But it also says just how incredible that player is. I just I don't know how often that player exists or will. But for Gabi to get that award, I think, is a big deal for his career. And I think really validating for the fact that I think, you know, there are naysayers already being, I mean, popping up over an 18-year-old player. But anyway, you know how I feel about Gabi. Again, Alexi Puteas, I know she's out with the ACL. But once again, this is based on last season. And even though Barcelona did fall short in the Champions League final against Lyon, Lyon have a lot, a lot, a lot of really, really talented players. And you could make the argument that while Lyon did win that game in the Champions League, that Barcelona were the better team from start of the season to the end of the season, with the exception of that one match. And Alexi Buteas, once again, was the best player on the best team in Europe throughout the entire year. Uh, and that, again, was Alexia. And unfortunately, she's out this year, so obviously she won't win the Ballon d'Or next year. But you get the point. And then Lewandowski did win the Best Striker Award, which, regardless of whether he's playing for Bayern Munich, look at those numbers from last year, or... Uh, again, this was not judged on Barcelona this year, but yeah, Lewandowski was the most clinical finisher, striker, forward in Europe last season. It's all about, you know, all the things that Messi does and this is the Ronaldo campaign. And now we see Erlen Holland banging goals, sure. But yeah, Lewandowski, as far as putting the ball in the back of the net, last season, he was the guy. All right, now to talk about Barca Villarreal. Sergio Roberto got the captain's armband, which... It tells you that Xavi did make changes after El Clasico and into Milan in that week. And kind of one of the main reasons why I wanted to record something, because again, you won't hear from me again until after the match over the weekend. And then you won't have a conversation. I won't be having a conversation with anybody until uh, a day or two after that. So while we've got just about five or six days, it's interesting about the Villarreal match because very much like moments last year when Xavi took over, and I don't off the top of my head, remember the exact matches, but there were moments against some of the better teams, you know, not Real Madrid, not even Atletico Madrid last year, but against some of the better teams. I think Villarreal was one of those games last season, if I don't remember, if I remember right, where Barcelona just comes out and I think it's really easy to disparage Villarreal after this match. You know, I even saw one of the friends of the pod kind of say that, you know, this wouldn't have happened against Inter. Like this Villarreal match doesn't happen against Inter because Inter were, well, A, they were playing five at the back, but they were just defending about a, a lot better than Villarreal were. But that said, prior to this match, Villarreal had the best defense in La Liga. So it's one of those things where I don't really want to disparage Villarreal. I want to say that they came in and they were probably expected to do a bit better. But it was also the... In defense of Villarreal, Barcelona basically went nuts in seven minutes. That match ended from the 31st minute when the first goal was scored to the 38th minute when the third goal was scored, and that was it. That was the fat lady had sung, and Villarreal were done and dusted. And as I said, Sergio Roberto gained the captain's armband. That meant that Busquets did not start, which, while Xavi did defend him, you heard the conversation, the argument that Levon and I had on the pod last week about Busquets, about what Xavi should be doing with him moving forward, uh, what the plan should be this season even. And at least to bench him, I wouldn't say even bench, because that's unfair, right? If we say bench Busquets, then that 
views the lens of quote-unquote replacing him or having everybody else in the squad have to deviate from Busquets because he's a captain, because he's a linchpin as the pivot for Barcelona. But I think it's a bit unfair to everyone else. It's not that Busquets was even benched today. It was that Frankie de Jong deserved, based on even what we've seen in limited action in the last few games, he deserves to get a shakeout at the pivot position. Busquets just played two full games, 90 minutes last week against two major rivals. So Busquets deserves a little bit of time. He didn't play 90 minutes. He didn't come out of class. But anyway, you get the point. He played and started against Real Madrid and against Inter Milan and the two matches before that. So it was time to rotate Busquets, and De Jong has to be the guy. And so that's why you didn't see Busquets start this match. And I think if we, if we view this conversation more through the lens of Frankie De Jong, and if he gets his salary adjusted and makes sense in the wage structure, what does that mean for the team moving forward? Because that answers a gigantic question moving forward if Frankie De Jong is that answer. And I think it's totally fair to watch this match and ask that question again. Like There was a sequence there in the 58th minute with Frankie De Jong where he had this pass that split two defenders and that allowed Barcelona to get off the races. And that's what you want to see. You want to see him collecting the ball from either one of the fullbacks or, in this case, it was Ter Stegen under pressure. You want to see him turn immediately, not take that other touch that moves him forward. Or even if he bypasses one of those attackers coming forward on the press, it's hard to get by the second with some kind of dribble action, especially when you're the pivot and you're exposing your back line if you lose the ball. So to see him turn the way he did, and then with his left foot, I believe, so the opposite foot, non-dominant foot, play a ball about 25 yards out to the wing to get Barcelona off to the races. Like, that was really, really good to see for Frankie Young. And he had a, a, quite a few moments of that. I thought his defensive positioning was decent to good today as well. Frankie Young cut down a, a, a number of attacks. And it was what I was arguing with Levon about, where between Pedri and Young today, we saw a bit of them doing what I saw from Chomani and Cruz. They were oscillating out for one another, where once Young for very rare moments, I think it was two or three times when you saw De Jong push higher up than Pedri with some kind of dribble action, and Pedri would just slot right in behind, fit in seamlessly. They didn't have that being Xavi didn't have to bring another wing back in, and De Jong was able to try to continue his run. And once he got possession into the final third for Barcelona, it wasn't just stagnant. It was, is it going to be Pedri making some kind of run through to pull in? Was it going to be Ferran Torres coming into the middle? Was it going to be Fati coming into the middle? And that versatility and all of that movement I mean, I haven't got to the goals yet because that's what I wanted to talk about here. In, it, it's not even five headlines. I've got one, in, one only headline is that Ferran Torres looked better because there was much more dynamic running through the midfield and into the box. Ansu Fati looked better because it was much more dynamic running into the box from the midfield and from the opposite winger. Robert Lewandowski gets a brace today because, yeah, he's a really, really good finisher, a.k.a. the best striker in the world, yes, but there was also line-breaking passes that were opened up for the likes of Jordi Alba, who can hit those passes in a way that Marcus Alonso does not. Let's start there. And Alba also has better through balls on the ground than Alejandro Balde does at this point. I'm not saying that Balde won't, because Balde's fundamentals, and insane to say this, because Balde is more than 10 years younger than Jordi Alba, but Alejandro Balde's defensive fundamentals and offensive capabilities both defensively and offensively, to, to find space and dribble with the ball 1v1. is more useful to Xavi's system, and he's been much more stable with his fundamentals than Alba has. But Alba, when you tell him to put a little bit of touch on that ball, he certainly can do that. He's probably the best crosser on this team at the moment, that being Jordi Alba, and he's uh, defensively, <laughs> yeah, of course, it's not there. It's, and his salary is in Albatross. That's why the, the club wanted him gone. But yeah, his 
really, really pretty through ball is what leads to Lewandowski getting that first goal. But again, part of that first goal was also the movement of Ferran Torres. I mean, operating sometimes off of Lewandowski, which was a work in progress at the start of the season. And they look like they've kind of figured a few things out in training coming from the right and telling too that Ferran Torres has been better with working on the right. And that was part of the third goal there with Ansu Fati finishing it off. Probably should have had the, the second attempt, but in anyway, I guess the third attempt by rolling it into the back of the net. But yeah, just like what we saw in El Clasico in that second half when Barcelona were pushing for that goal. Yeah, good work by Ferran Torres on the right wing. You know, he was kind of been put on the left wing because of need that the team has had. But I think there are a lot of questions being asked of that rotation because the Ansu Ferran thing, I, mean, I think what is becoming the prevailing idea is that one of Farron and Ansu, as in players who can come inside and occupy space, not to say that it's not Rafinha cutting in and shooting or Dembele cutting in to potentially shoot or to try to lay off some kind of ball. No, it's Ansu Fati is a threat on some kind of cross in the penalty box, or he can also play quick one to the teammates. He's very good technically. And so Ansu just takes up space that creates space for Lewandowski. Or if Farron Torres is doing the same thing, and Ansu decides to stay out wide to the left wing. Farron very much is capable of those things. And on a day like today where Villarreal got punched in the mouth in the 31st minute and they never recovered, Farron Torres, it just, it makes sense. It, it makes a lot of sense. And so there is this perfect world where, but in this instance, it would have to be Farron Torres on the left because Dembele's better position is on the right. And it's the same thing with Rafinha. So it really only works when it's Ansu and Farron Torres. And that's an interesting wrinkle to this rotation that you have, if Farron's going to be better on the right, you also have Demele better on the right. You also have Rafinha better on the right. And that leaves just Ansu better on the right. But as you said, if the combinations are, well, Demele and Rafinha are a bit redundant because both of them should be on the right. And they both are, it kind of leads to too much width and they just spend the whole time crossing the ball in. But in the same respect, if Farron can only play on the right when Ansu's on the left, I guess you could use Demele in that instance too. And so you're getting my point where Xavi does have a little bit of a juggling scenario on his hands if he wants to get the best out of that four rotation. But it just seems like numerically, it doesn't really work out. But it did work out today because I said Ansu was good. Farron Torres was, was good as well, playing as a pseudo false nine slash right winger playing off of Lewandowski. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Pique and Puyol or Pique and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention, those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. 
So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I want to mention, too, on that second goal, Pedri wins it back. Gabi and the ref let them play advantage. Pedri and Gabi both really good today. Clue that midfield for Barcelona. Frankie de Jong, Pedri, and Gabi were better than the opposition. They were better than Danny Parejo and his friends in the Real midfield. And that's why Barcelona was so much better. And that kind of goes back to, to this odd adage where it is tough to say. When Barcelona don't get results, we definitely bang the back line. And you should because that is the area of the team that is surely lacking when Ronald Araujo is out when Jules Koundé was out, and Barcelona were desperate for just upgrades. I mean, they need an upgrade at the right-back position. You can see that as well. So with that back line kind of taking the fault for the losses as well as questioning the forwards, why can't they score more goals? Why can't they figure it out? When Barcelona is better than teams, though, the first place I always look is the midfield. As I said, Pedri and Gabi were just better than their opposition today. So Lewandowski, for the second goal, though, he did a ton of the work after Pedri and Gabi kind of got him there. Lewandowski calls his own number again, and that's 47.8% of Barcelona's scoring this season has come from Robert Lewandowski. Now, that, that number did go down just a little bit once Ansu scored the third goal, but it's just around the, the mid-30s, if you will, uh, mid-40s, rather, if you will, for Lewandowski scoring percentage for Barcelona this season, which obviously is, I would say it's way, way too high. I mean, let's say last season, if it was Aubameyang, and I'm not disparaging Aubameyang because he scored goals in bundles for Barca last year and helped them finish where they did in the league table. But if, if Aubameyang, a player like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, has 47.8% of your goals scored that season, you do worry quite a bit. But to have it be Lewandowski, I do worry a little bit less just because of how important he's supposed to be the figurehead, this main figure up top that he's supposed to be for Barcelona, and he's contributing the goals that he's supposed to. And other than the, go- the games that we'll keep talking about, that is the Bayern game, the two Inter games, and Real Madrid, Barcelona has been fantastic this year, and they're just demolishing anybody that they should be. And that's the whole thing about winning the Liga or keeping pace in the Liga. You just have to beat everybody you should be. And along the way, Real Madrid will drop some points, 
But for Barcelona, it's a matter of continuing to get Lewandowski, putting the ball in the back of the net, and can he get some help, which he did today with Ansu Fati. Now, I did mention the back line. Briefly there, I want to talk about Jules Koundé, who <laughs> it is tough because you watch this match and you say, yes, I know Villarreal weren't firing all cylinders, but he puts out fire at such a different level than everybody else, other than every other non-Araujo defender, I should say, in this team. In the 61st minute against Inter and even against Real Madrid, I know Real Madrid had scored the goals that they did, but I don't think Koundé was fully even fit for that one. He looked fully fit today. And so again, I don't know about Real Madrid, but against Inter Milan in the 61st minute, he shut down something that is scored by Inter Milan. And to have him back is so important. It's so significant, even for the remaining few games before the World Cup break. So hopefully for France, he's going to likely be called up for the World Cup. And I hope he can just stay healthy because just having Jules Koundé back, that's not even Araujo, but just having Jules Koundé back, this back line is so, 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 so much stronger, so much better. And Again, just the, the belief that you can have in the back line to solve something through Jules Koundé because of his ball-playing ability, yes, but also his physicality and his ability to cut out that space is just tremendous. So subs come on, Bayerine, Busquets, Rafinha, Dembélé, Piquet, and it's a tough one here because I, I haven't seen Xavi's press conference. I don't know what he's going to say. Again, now that I'm in Europe for my European listeners and things. I don't know how y'all do it. It's like 1130 right now as I'm recording this. And that's 1130 in, I don't even know what time I'm in. I'm in German time, whatever it may be. So six hours ahead of where I am on the East Coast. So I don't know how y'all do it. Uh, but the press conference for Xavi, I don't have time to watch that and record this. So I don't know what he's going to say. But I would assume that Busi, Rafinha, Dembele, Piquet particularly came on. Now, Bayerin probably came on because he was finally healthy again. Give him a run out. Make sure he's got some, some minutes under or sea legs and Roberto comes off. So get some Bayerin some valuable minutes to make sure he's continuing to work his way back and can be important for Barcelona in the next few weeks. But yeah, Busi, Rafinha, Dembele, Piquet, those four, I think he brought them on for confidence because they obviously have taken their lumps this week. Rafinha, people are already rolling their eyes and saying, why did Barcelona go out and spend the money on this guy? Because he has not contributed the ways he was supposed to. People are, once again, you know, after being in on Dembélé for a little bit, it's like the hokey pokey, they're right back out again. And then Piquet and Busquets, of course, they have been dragged this week in a way that, I mean, I'm not sure if they have ever, I mean, Busquets in particular, I don't think he's ever been dragged through the mud this week by different media outlets than he was this week. I think there is obviously that contingent that exists that is always but, I mean, that contingent says everybody out, right? That contingent is said, I mean, either the Messi stand or something, but they've all, even sometimes they say Messi out in the past. So that's the group that said Iniesta out in 2017. That's the group that said Xavi out, in, in, well, as a player in 2014. So that's that group that was obviously calling for Busi out in that manner, as opposed to what I try to do and have to have a nuanced conversation, nuanced conversation about what you do with Busquets here in the short and long term. But you need those guys to have a bit of confidence. They still, this season with that foursome, have have to have an important role for Barcelona moving forward. But in the same regard, it is frustrating because you say after that result, you just want to even the next game, want to give those guys even a full rest to get themselves right. I mean, if you have to send a message that way, then you do. And then you bring them right back in over the weekend against Athletic Club, which you are going to need your guys who are able to take some bites and take some kicks and take some of that Athletic Club stuff that we know exists. So I, I would say that the veterans are going to be important on the weekend, even more so than they were coming in in the last 25 minutes of a game that you are comfortably winning 3 nothing. I mean, and if you don't give Pablo Torre minutes in that game against Villarreal, 
And when you're up three nothing, I don't know when Pablo Torre is going to play. And that this is those instances where it's a bit disheartening. Why is Pedri still on the field when Kessier? I mean, it could have been a fitness thing with Frankie De Young. Remember, he is still coming back from injury as well. But yeah, Pedri. I mean, why not just give him a few minutes rest? And Kessier, in the same way, that's a guy I think that needs confidence. I mean, Rafinha needs confidence, yes. Dembélé needs confidence, yes. Piquet and Busquets, you're putting support behind them. They need confidence. Bayerine needs a run out. And now five subs. As five subs, people argued it was too many. Now it seems like there's too few because you just have so many options in the midfield in particular that just desperately need minutes. So I, I do would have preferred to see Pablo Torre come on for Pedri or Kessier come on for Pedri instead of De Jong go off for Busi. But also I understand the sentiment. I get it. I mean, Kessier, he also was coming back from injury, so he may not be fully healthy. But yeah, the Pablo, Pablo Torre thing, it's pretty frustrating. But as I said before, as a young player, he's still a teenager. If he's not willing to be a little bit patient, remember, he got here two and a half months ago. And in that time, Barcelona had a preseason in the U.S. as he was getting acclimated. And then they wind up, and he actually and he played in the preseason too. But then obviously they come back to Spain and they hit the ground running. In the Liga, they're getting results. Things are happening. And then the Champions League goes the way it does. So Pablo Torre, he's not getting many minutes just because Barcelona coming off a week where they played two of the most important games. I mean, arguably the two most important games of the season if they wind up not keeping pace in the Liga and the Champions League winds up turning out the way that we expected to. So if those two things happen, we're going to look back at this on this past week and say that was the most important week of the season. So it's no surprise that Pablo Torre isn't playing at this moment, right? You can't just put faith in a 19-year-old when potentially Xavi and that locker room it's not to say that they're odds of each other, because again, he's defending PK, he's defending Garcia, he's defending Busquets. But I think there is a place in the club where, like many of the other managers of the past, you're teetering on this layer of chaos. You're teetering on this moment where the locker room, not that you're going to lose them, but you are going to lose a little bit of that belief, that belief that you're still in it, that you can still fight in the Liga race. So yeah, to sum it all up, as far as being in the Liga race, Barcelona are in the Liga race. They can do just fine in the Liga race if they continue to do what they did against Villarreal, and that's take care of business against teams that they do have now the depth and the talent to go after and have these good performances. Villarreal did let them play a little bit in a way that I don't expect Athletic Club to do, uh, and same thing with Bayern Munich midweek. So unfortunately, any momentum that is built against Villarreal and hopefully against Athletic Club, Bayern Munich just might smack that down. But in the same regard, Barcelona went into that Inter matchup and the other Inter matchup and against Real Madrid, not really in their best form. We saw what happened against Mallorca, bleh, Celta de Vigo, bleh. But this is a pretty reassuring, positive response that I wanted to see after the events of last week. So things are pretty positive. That's why I talked for 20 plus minutes here to you. So I do appreciate everybody sticking around, whether it was on Patreon. I did make this one free for everybody. So those on YouTube, this is on the podcast feed as well. Originally, again, it was supposed to be just for Patreon, but here I am yammering way too long. I have to use this content ever where I can do it. So I, it's time for me to go to bed. I know I'm, I'm in enemy territory right now in Bavaria, but I, I'll, I'll leave you with, I guess I got to whisper it here. I mean, they want to say choose, but it's Forza Barca. So Forza Barca, everybody. I'll talk to you soon.